Pastor Xavier Rees says there's little room for chance when there's divine intervention. The daughter of Pharaoh personally came, now in contact with baby Moses. She opened the ark brought to her by her maid in verse 6, and she saw a beautiful and healthy child laying inside the ark, and she heard the child weep. Now, the fact that the child laid in the ark without crying until the right time is no coincidence. God's plan was in motion. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Though we can't see the wind, we know it's there when the leaves on the trees blow. We can't see electricity either, but we know it exists when we see the lights turn on. And today, Pastor Xavier explains there's a similar simple truth about God. Though we don't see Him either, we undoubtedly see His hand at work in our lives. And this was never more evident than in the plan of deliverance for the children of Israel from Pharaoh and the land of Egypt. Let's listen now as we continue our series in the book of Exodus today in chapter 2. The children of Israel had been in Egypt for about 350 years when God began to work towards their deliverance and redemption as a nation. And he does it here by the birth of Moses, which fully is brought to pass at the age of 80 years old, which gives us the 430 years to the fulfilled prophecy. The oppression and persecution of the people of God was continuous, as you know, since the rise of the new Pharaoh that is given to us in chapter 1, who knew not Joseph, therefore the Hebrews uh, were considered by him as a threat. Now, the Pharaoh's attempt to decrease their number by hard labor had failed, and so he resorted to destroying all the male children that were born and commanded they be cast into the Nile River. It is at this period that the birth of Moses is given to us in a brief sketch revealing the invisible activity of God through it all. And we see this through the scriptures often. The entire book of Exodus is God's activity. It's a book of redemption. In the opening chapters, he's working, but we don't see him. When he gets to Egypt... He's working, and we see him, but he's in the whole book. Let me read here verse 1 through 10. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrush for, for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it at the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to the river uh, to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she said to her maids to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maid went and called the child's mother. And then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, And he became her son 
So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. The birth of Moses is given to us in this brief sketch, revealing the invisible activity of God throughout it. And it's characterized by the following. First of all, the divine time of Moses' birth, verse 1 through 4. Secondly, you have the divine hand of Moses' rescue, 5 and 6. And then thirdly, the divine providence for Moses' formative years, verse 7 through 10. The divine time of Moses' birth opens up the scene. Notice verse 1 and 2. God chose a particular husband and wife to be the parents of Moses. The man is said to be of the house of Levi in verse 1. Now you know Levi was the third child of Leah, the sister of Rachel, back in Genesis 29-34. Leah was unloved by Jacob because he loved Rachel more. And so God opened Leah's womb and she conceived, we are told, in Genesis 29, 30, and 31. Leah's words are recorded for us in 29, 34 of Genesis. It says, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Levi means joined to. Even in that awkward relationship of Jacob and the two wives and everything else, God was at work faithfully. They did not escape the ill consequence they brought upon themselves, but God was still working to bring about his promise, right? So we have to distinguish between the two. Now, the woman likewise is said to be of the house of Levi, the daughter of Levi. Both were of the family of Levi. The descendant line of Moses then would be a pure line of Levi, qualifying Moses for his future office as God's deliverer. He would be a priest able to approach God. Though the law had not been given yet, we'll see in the law that it's the Levites, the tribe of Levi. Moses would be the intercessor for the people of God. Notice the future father of Moses took his future mother as wife. The name of the parents of Moses are not given to us here, but in chapter 6 of Exodus, verse 20, they are recorded for us, Amram, his father, and Jochebed, his mother. Jochebed is said to be the sister of Amram's father. In other words, he married his aunt. <laughs> the lines in the Old Testament sometimes were so far distant and so far removed in different one, from one different father from the mother, not both. And we know that Abraham married a half-sister, right? Okay. The name Jacobin means Yahweh is glory or the glory of Yahweh. Amram means exalted people. What a great combination, how prophetic. It would be the glory of God that would exalt these people. Not their own. If we can only understand that simple, simple principle. We're always trying to help ourselves. We're always trying to do it on our own strength. We're always trying to help God out. <laughs> and, and it doesn't work. Now they had two sons, Aaron and Moses, and one sister, Miriam. 
Uh, Numbers um, 26.59 records all three of them, and we'll get part of them in this section. Aaron was the oldest between Moses and himself. He was three years older than Moses. So Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Exodus 7, verse 7 will tell us that. So Moses was Aaron's baby brother. Miriam seems to be the older of the three watching over Moses in the ark there on the Nile. And we'll get this in verse 4 and 7. We don't know her age, but she must have been to carry this out somewhere 11, 12, 13, something like that. Notice verse 2. God chose to allow Jochebed to conceive during the decree of Pharaoh that all infants had to be cast into the Nile. Difficult times, but it was her time, you understand? Jochebed became pregnant. She bore a son to Amram. Now, they didn't know at first it was going to be a son because they didn't have sonograms and stuff like that. And they must have been delighted and joyous and at the same time kind of heartbroken because they know the edict. And I'm sure they're praying, oh, Yahweh, please let it be a girl. You know the circumstance we're under. But you know what? God didn't answer the way they wanted. You keep that in mind through your life. But God knows what's best, and he has purposes way beyond our own peace and our own understanding. Pharaoh had commanded all of his people, saying in chapter 1, verse 22, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So I, I, I kind of have a suspicion they were praying for a daughter. <laughs> in fact, Moses, as a future deliverer, is a type of Jesus Book of Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 through 5 makes that very clear. Both of them being sought out to be killed as infants. Objects of Satan's hatred. Because of the line of the seed. Of the Messiah. And the purposes of God. Now notice Jacobed disobeys the decree of the Pharaoh. As well as Amram. This happened when she saw that. He was a beautiful child, it says. And the word for beautiful in the Hebrew means pleasant and excellent, referring to health as well as appearance. It's used in various ways. She could not cast her son into the Nile. Now, the decision was that she would hide him for three months, we're told here. Stephen in the New Testament confirms this. And says, at this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. The word well-pleasing, that is equivalent to this word beautiful in the Greek. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. He says nothing about hiding, just that he was brought up for three months. The book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, verse 23, gives us the New Testament commentary of their faith. What they did was in faith, meaning By God's revelation, because biblical faith always leads you to God's revelation, right? You're not presumptuous just doing something and say, God, honor this. You're moving upon the revelation of God and he honors his word, right? Listen. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful, astios, same word equivalent to the Hebrew, beautiful, healthy child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. 
Like the midwives in chapter 1, they feared God more than the king. And they acted in faith. So therefore, everything we have here is really according to God's revelation, though Exodus doesn't tell us that. They were acting in God's direction and guidance. You understand? That's why they're in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. This would be very dangerous. But when God's in something, then he makes himself responsible. Now look at verse 3 and 4. God directed Jochebed in wisdom to protect her son Moses. Jochebed consciously knew she could no longer hide baby Moses. The baby was getting more active and uh, the chance of the baby being discovered was uh, becoming greater and greater without any doubt. And so Jochebed constructed a safety boat for little Moses. She took an ark, a basket-type vessel, to float in the Nile, we are told. The word for ark is the same one used for Noah in Genesis 7, 8, and 9. Same word. The ark symbolized deliverance and safety for Moses, just like Noah, despite the external danger. Notice she made the ark of bulrushes, reeds that grew on the Nile River. She dabbed it with asphalt and pitch. This would make the water unable to get in, to be water permeable. Noah did the same thing, by the way. Notice that Jochebed committed her child Moses then to a safe location. She put the child in the ark, and you can only imagine what a heavy heart Jochebed must have had. As you're, you're, you're trusting God, you're obeying God, but, but you're human, you understand? And she's putting this challenge, knowing the Nile River. She laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. Notice. Jochebed used good common sense wisdom. The majority of the time, God works in a very natural way through common sense and wisdom. Though he certainly can intervene on things that are beyond our understanding. And so Jochebed places the ark that contain her son in calm waters. In the midst of reeds, notice that, in order that the ark not be taken with the currents of the Nile River. There were tributaries and where these reeds were. It could be controlled there and, and be in safety. Now, all this had to have been done, as I said, by the direction of God. Therefore, it was done in faith, even though nothing is mentioned about God here in these first two opening chapters to an extent. Even as when you read the book of Esther, no mention of God, but he's all over that place. You understand? For Moses is the future deliverer of God's people. God has begun to work. Now look at verse 4. Jochebed, without doubt, instructed his older sister Miriam to be the sentinel guarding her brother Moses. Miriam, his sister, stood afar off, it says. The entire family was involved in this step of faith. Miriam did so notice to know what would be done to him. Now, if God's not in this, the only expectation you can have is that when an Egyptian comes by, they're going to kill him. But when God has directed and guided, then the expectation implies a positive expectation. The expectation implies faith in the revelation of God to them. Even at that young age. She's able to walk in this faith. Having had the rearing in the home 
under difficult circumstances of what it is to trust God. Keep that in mind, parents. In each generation, there are men and women born under God's divine time in view of crises such as Cyrus, John the Baptist, John Wesley, Corey Temboom. God prepares those people for the crisis in their generation. Two brothers were talking together when a violent storm of thunder and lightning overtook them. One was struck dead on the spot. The other was spared. Else would the name of the great reformer Martin Luther have been unknown to mankind. Do you think Luther was lucky? Do you think he had a rabbit's foot in his back pocket? Or do you possibly think that God had him born according to divine time for divine purposes? See, it all depends whether you think a monkey is on the throne of heaven or God. It all depends on your worldview. Whether you see yourself as the, the creature created by a creator. God has chosen you as a Christian husband and wife to glorify God in the institution of marriage as much as Amram and Jacobin. Recognizing the basic foundation of God that he is the creator of man. Foundational. When legislators are passing laws to remove all parental authority and to make the children property of the state, then you as parents are to teach your children all submission to the law and to government until they would command by law something contrary to the word of God. Acts 5.29 When they told the disciples not to preach the gospel, he says, you judge whether we're to obey God or man. God will give to both of you as husband and wife wisdom to deal with the issues of your generation for your children to be used in the crisis of their day and their generation by God. Very important. It doesn't stop with you. It's passed on to your children. Listen to Proverbs. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 2.7. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Proverbs 8.12. I wisdom. Dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so, we see that it speaks of a total dependency upon God. That doesn't mean that you aren't educated. It doesn't mean that you don't go to school. It means that you distinguish what is legitimate truth, objective truth, and what is just a lie. And you run things through the scriptures. That's what you do. The New Testament ties all wisdom to one person, Jesus Christ. It says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2, 3. That's why it's essential that you as a husband and wife walk with God, depend upon him, look to Jesus, get in his word. 
so that you can be wise for your day. The divine time of Moses' birth was in view of the present crises. It's no different today. Some of your children, if God tarries, are going to be used tremendously. You don't know it yet. Notice, secondly, the divine hand on Moses' rescue, verse 5 and 6. In verse 5, God shows a particular occasion for Moses' rescue. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. This is believed to be Princess had Shupsut, the daughter of uh, Thutmus I, who reigned from 1504 to 1482. She usurped the throne when her half-brother and husband Thutmus II died and had a strong rule. The Nile River was considered, as you know, sacred. And these washings were considered for health-giving and productive fruitfulness. It would make them virile, fertile to conceive. God is so contemporary. You remember Jonah was sent to Nineveh? And he was in the whale, right? Well, when the whale burped Jonah up on the shore... Do you think he was all decked out, combed out, and had a tuxedo? He was bleached out white from the stomach acids. No hair. Coming from the sea. Who did the Ninevites worship? Dagon, the fish god. That's very contemporary. Where's this baby? In the Nile. What's she going to the Nile for? To be fruitful. And a baby's there. How interesting. Let me say that the church is not contemporary, but God is. (laughs) Too often the church is a copycat of the world. God is contemporary. There's a big difference. Notice the daughter of Pharaoh's maids walked along the riverside. These women were there to accompany her and form a protection, but also to tend to her every need. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh saw the ark among the reeds, and she sent her maid to get it. God's unseen hand prompted her to notice the ark. This is God, though we're not told. This is God's plan. God's plan was in motion. The princess sent her maid to get the ark. Now notice in verse 6, God chose the particular person for Moses' rescue. God is sovereign. He knows everything and He doesn't make mistakes. (laughs) The daughter of Pharaoh personally came, notice, in contact with baby Moses. She opened the ark brought to her by her maid in verse 6, and she saw a beautiful and healthy child laying inside the ark, and she heard the child weep. Now, the fact that the child laid in the ark without crying until the right time is no coincidence. Once again, the implication is God's in control here. The text says, and behold, the baby wept. The emphasis being that one is to take notice. This is divine intervention. You remember Philip was sent down to Gaza, the desert, for the eunuch? He says, and behold, a eunuch in the desert. (laughs) In other words, this is God's meeting. All right? Real simple. You remember Ruth? Came to the field of... And it so happened that she came to reap in the fields of Boaz. No, happened. 
God was directing and guiding. Pastor Xavier Reese has been leading us through a new series in the book of Exodus. And here in chapter 2 today, we've seen the arrival and divine protection of the prophet Moses. And there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply The Invisible God at Work. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. So once again, the title to ask for is The Invisible God at Work, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 